You can be seated. It's wonderful to see you here this morning. This is Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. Appreciate the kids singing with us this morning. I want you, if you would, to turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. uh, 3,000 people were saved. At the end of this sermon, he glorifies Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Brings clarity to the confusion. The people didn't understand the speaking in other tongues. Some thought they were drunk and so forth. And he says, it's 9 in the morning. We're not drunk. This is Joel's fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And he quoted the prophecy. He gets to this point in his sermon towards the end, and he says in verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. There are other Jesuses that are preached. There are other Gospels that are preached. There are other uh, spirits besides the Holy Spirit. But Peter's making it very clear here that... you. You need to know for sure, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, which was just maybe 40 days, 45 days before this, or not very long before this. That same Jesus whom you have crucified, the Lord has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus that we believe, that we serve, that these scriptures talk about is, is both Lord and Christ. This is the last part, 13th part. I didn't know how many parts it would be when I started out. Thirteenth part on this series, The Doctrine of Christ. And we're closing this with Christ is Lord. Okay? Christ is Lord. God has made his son Jesus to us both Lord and Christ. He is Christ the Lord. That's who it is. When Peter and some of the disciples, Peter and John and Andrew and uh, James, I believe, after the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter says, I'm going fishing. He had denied the Lord three times. He went back to his fishing boats. I'm not saying that he forsook the Lord, but he probably thought there was no hope for him in serving God. Uh, He had just let the Lord down so badly. So he says, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we're going to go with you. And they're fishing. and, And when they're coming back in, they hadn't caught anything. They're heading back to shore, and they're some distance from shore. They see a a man there. They don't know who it is and don't recognize him. And he says, children, have you caught anything? Do you have any meat? He said, nothing. They didn't know who he was. Nothing. We haven't caught anything. He says, cast your net on this side of the boat. They cast it in. They pulled up fish that they couldn't. It was breaking the nets. They were swimming. That's the second time that that happened, by the way. But this was after his resurrection, and John says, it's the Lord. He knew right away, that's the Lord. Then Peter jumped in the water and swam to get there uh, first and beat them all there. But Jesus is both Lord and Christ. He is that. And he is the Lord over all of his creation, and he will be Lord over a man's life. Honestly, in one sense, you could say he'll be Lord of a man's life or he'll be nothing to that life. He's not going to come in and be something else. 
you know, a little, a little sidekick that goes through life and like Tonto and the Lone Ranger and you, you need a little help here and there. A sidekick. He's not going to be that. There's an old song. I don't even know all the words to it. The angels called him Jesus, born of a virgin. Mary called him Jesus, but I call him Lord. I call him Lord. And we need to believe him and trust him as Lord. He is the Lord. And the seventh angel sounded, Revelation 11, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That is the God we serve. He is Lord. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it repeatedly throughout, that he is Lord. He deserves to be Lord. He's worthy of being Lord. He is Lord. And the question is, will we allow him to be Lord of our lives? Will we take him as Lord, so to speak? Jesus did not come to this earth and robe himself in human flesh and to take upon him the form of a servant and become obedient unto death, right? Live a sinless life in perfect obedience to his Father and suffer and die on the cross for the sins of the world. Be buried and rise again the third day. He didn't do all that, all in perfect fulfillment of scriptures to be anything less than Lord. He did not. Jesus Christ came to this earth to redeem men through faith in him and through his blood. And then, after redeeming each and every one that he does redeem, to reign as Lord over their lives. That's it. That's, that's the pattern. That's the New Testament pattern. That's biblical. He came to redeem and then to reign as Lord over that life. He did not come to give... Uh, merely be a good example of how men should live, although he is a, the best example of how men should, should live. He did not come and live and just to give us something to think about. Well, I'll consider that and maybe think about it. He did not come to make your life nor mine a little bit easier. That's just why he came. He just came to help you out and help you over. I think as A.W. Tozer says that a lot of people think that the Lord came just to, to basically put uh, shock absorbers on your, your wagon as you're going through life to just make the ride a little easier. He didn't come just for that purpose, although he does make our life so much better. He didn't come to make our life simply more pleasant. He did not come to, to be merely a great teacher, although he's the best teacher ever. He did not come to bring uh, be a social reformer like you hear so much of today. He didn't come that men would use his name only as a curse word or use it in vain. He came to reign as Lord. He came to reign as Lord. Lord of all. Lord of all who come to him by faith. Lord over all. That he would reign in the hearts and lives of men that he purchased with his own blood. Think about this. If you go to the store and you save up money or have money, you go to buy a shirt, jacket, whatever, tool. You, you buy it and it's yours. So you intend to use it. You don't buy it uh, to have nothing to do with it. Jesus bought us with his blood. And he is worthy to reign and rule in our lives. He's actually called in the scriptures. I haven't counted it up, but I've been told, heard this repeatedly. He's actually called Lord more times in the Bible than he's called Savior. 
He's called Lord more times in the Bible than he's called Savior, although he's, although he's both. Amen? He's Savior and Lord. He's Lord and Christ. The Bible says in Philippians 2 that after he, he took upon him the form of a servant and so forth and humbled himself, but came obedient unto death. And it says, Wherefore God, God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. Every tongue should confess, confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We, we can gladly confess him now. There will be those that will confess it. They'll get the revelation. It'll be too late. They'll be in hell and they'll be confessing he's Lord. They'll be in hell and torment forever and ever in a lake of fire. They'll be confessing he's Lord. Why didn't I give my life to the Lord sooner? He's given them this opportunity now. But some mistakenly attempt, I would put it this way, to have Christ or to take Christ as their Savior from sin while not taking him as Lord of their lives. You don't see that in the Bible. You don't see that in the truth, in the scriptures, nor by the unction of the Holy Spirit. There are men that want to take Christ as Savior from their sins, but not take him as Lord of their lives. It's unbiblical. It's unrighteous. And this cannot be. God took Jesus and made him both Christ, Lord, and Christ. He made him both. And you're going to take him as both or don't take him. You can't have it any other way. Now, I do know this, that there are times in my life as a believer and times in your life and the life of every believer where we say, um, he's not, I'm not allowing him to reign as Lord as fully as I should. If we were all honest, anytime we sin, that's a time that we're not allowing the Lord to rule. Anytime we're uh, overcome with worrying or, or, or worldliness or uh, the cares of this world, we're not allowing Christ to reign as Lord at that moment, that season, that day, whatever it is. But he is still Lord of our lives. I would say this, I believe it just from reading the scriptures, and I know it personally from my own life, that as we go through life, it's a process, it's an ongoing process, like we talked about sanctification, where as I walk with the Lord, I thought I'd surrendered all. At that moment, I surrendered all. And as I walk with the Lord, he may show something. Either I took it back from him, and I'm not letting him rule in that area of my life, or it's something that up until that moment wasn't revealed to me that, Randy, you're not letting me rule in this area of your life. And when that happens, and I think it happens all through life in our walk with Christ, that we need to surrender to, more fully to his lordship. It's not pointing the finger saying he's not Lord. It's the point of, is he fully reigning in my life, over every area of my life? Is there some area that is not under the lordship of Christ. He reigns in all these areas, but my friends, they're off limits, okay? He reigns in this area of my life, but my finances, uh, he, he, I don't want him to touch that. You understand my point? He reigns, and so when he shows us those things, 
uh, it's out of his goodness and kindness that he reveals them to us. And he's given us a moment. He's given us a chance. He's given us an opportunity to come before him and lay it at the foot of the cross and say, reign in this area. Reign over all. I thought you did reign over all. And we were walking in that. And then he shows us something that's not surrendered to his lordship. And I think it's a process, y'all, of a deeper yielding, a deeper, deeper surrender to the will of God, a deeper surrender to Christ as Lord, but not only Lord in a general sense, but Lord over the specifics, Lord over every part of my life, my tongue, my friends, what I watch on TV, what I don't watch on TV, my time, everything. He's Lord over all. And so the closer we draw to the Lord, I think the more clearly we see those areas, that area or those areas that are not, you know what, that's not really under the Lordship of Christ and it needs to be. Don't argue with the Lord. It needs to be. If it's not under the Lordship of Christ, it needs to be. My life and your life. Amen. And God's going to show us. The question is, will you serve him as Lord? Will, will he be your Lord? He is worthy to be. And we as his people, y'all, we must actually desire for him. He is Lord. We must know that he's, he's Lord, but we must actually desire that. Lord, I want you to Lord over my life. I want you to reign. I want you to rule over my life. And so many people, as I said, I think that there's this mis, definitely a misconception about Christianity, what the scriptures teach and why Christ came. Many want forgiveness of their sins. Who wouldn't? If you realize you're a sinner and realize that this is genuine, this is real, and God is real, many want forgiveness of their sins. Many want freedom from sins and its consequences, both in this life and the life to come. Many want eternal life without allowing Jesus to reign as their Lord in this life. They want forgiveness of sins. They want the blessings and the benefits of Christ and calling upon Christ without taking him as their Lord. But when we come to Christ, we take him. We don't just take forgiveness of sins. We take Jesus. We take the Lord. He spoke about whoever doesn't eat my flesh and drink my blood has no part of me. He was speaking figuratively. He said, the words I speak unto you, their spirit and their life. He said, I'm the bread of life. By me, if any man eats, he, he won't die. What is he talking about? He's talking about taking him by faith. You want eternal life? Take Jesus. You don't just take eternal life separate from Christ. You don't just take Christ and forgiveness of sins without taking him as Lord either. Because if Christ comes into that heart and life, he is going to rule. And there's no sense fighting the Lord. Let him rule. We need to want him to rule. We need to desire for Christ to reign. I made a mess of my life. I want Jesus to rule. Amen. I made a mess of my life, and I would today before the day's over if he wasn't reigning in my heart. I'll make a mess of it uh, completely. But many want to have forgiveness of sins. They want the eternal life without taking Jesus as, as Lord. They want the blessings, what they would call the blessings of the Lord, the benefits, without taking him and all that he is. They don't take him as the love of their lives. They just want forgiveness of sins. Or they want uh, healing, or they want some blessing that the Lord gives, but they don't want to take Him as the love of their lives. They want Him. They want these blessings without forsaking all others to have Him alone. But isn't what that what the Bible says? 
Doesn't he compare Christ and his church to a marriage between a, a husband and wife, forsaken all others? Many want all the blessings, what they think are the blessings and the gifts of the Lord, without taking him and him alone. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I don't want Jesus or Christianity to interfere too much with my life now. I think the world's full of people. I think our churches are full of people. Not everyone and not every church. But I think we see this. They want, they want to go to heaven when they die, but they, they don't want Jesus to interfere with their plans and their life that they have now. Forgive me, Lord. Take me to heaven when I die, but don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. You might not ever use those words, but that's what they're thinking. And that's how they're living. There's a parable. I'm just going to summarize it to you in Luke 19. Jesus has given the parable. He says, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom. But the citizens hated him and sent, and sent it mes- sent it message after, sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. We don't want this man to reign over us. And that's the way I think a lot of people are. I mean, there are those that are just lost and want nothing to do with Christianity. But I think there are some that cozy up to Christianity and get close to it and like a lot of the things about it. But Lord, you're going too far. Don't tell me what to do. Just forgive my sins right? Just take me to heaven when I die. We will not have this man to reign over us. But he's Lord, right? God has made his son Jesus both Lord and Christ. The Jews in Jesus' day. Think about it. He came to the Jews. He came to his own. His own received him not, the Bible says. What did they benefit from the Lord? Were they ate? Of the fish and loaves that he multiplied and blessed them with. And they enjoyed it and were filled. They received their sight, those that were blind. Lepers were cleansed. Demons were cast out of people. The lame began to walk. Multitudes. John says, if I wrote all of the miracles that were written, the world couldn't contain the books that would be written. But these are written that you might believe, Okay. They were, this was mostly 99% to the Jews this was brought. And yet, when it came to the end, they said, we don't want this man to rule over us. We have no king but Caesar. But we do have a ruler, but we don't want it to be this man, Jesus. I think a lot of people are that way. They like the way he taught. They like the graciousness and kindness and the way he forgave the, the women caught in adultery. And they like things like that about Jesus, but they don't want him to reign and rule over their lives. But he is Lord and Christ and Christ and Lord. Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Pilate said, well, give us Barabbas. Well, what do you want me to do with Jesus? Crucify him. That's what we want you to do with him. And y'all, it's easy to point finger at the, at the Jews of Jesus' day. We know he died for our sins. But the point is, I think there's a, a theme. The Bible speaks in 1 John about the pride of life. The pride of life. 
And there is a pride, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. All that's in the world is kind of summed up in those three categories, right? And it's all not of the world. I mean, not of God, it's of the world. But the pride of life, where people want to be their own free, determining uh, God of their lives. They, they think when they walk out in the world of 8 billion people now, that everything revolves around them. Here they are just walking this life and everything. How does it affect me? How does it help me? How does this person bless me? What, how does this benefit me? And they think everything revolves around them and it doesn't. He's Christ the Lord. He's the Savior of the world. And if a man comes to him and has said, I'll, I take him. We're, we're not just taking forgiveness, forgiveness of sins. Praise God for it. Amen. We're not just taking eternal life. Thank the Lord. We're taking eternal life with him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. We're taking Christ. It is Christ in us that lives eternally. Amen? And gives to us that eternal life. And so uh, I've thought about this, too. People that say they want to go to heaven when they, when they die, but or they think this. I don't know how many people would say it. I want to go to heaven when I die, but I don't want the Lord to boss me around, reign and rule in my life, tell me what to do now. Why, how or why could they ever possibly enjoy heaven? What makes them think they would enjoy heaven? They must think heaven is just going to be whatever you dream it to be. If you like to fish, you'll go to heaven, you'll just have perpetual fishing, you know. You like to uh, eat donuts, you'll be, go to heaven, you'll just be eating donuts all day. Um, that is, that is still, it's still uh, where the individual is the center of everything. Why would somebody want to go to heaven if they don't enjoy Christ now? If they don't love him now? If they don't want to serve him now? They don't want to obey the Lord. They find his commandments grievous, right? The Bible says uh, that, that his commandments are not grievous in 1 John. But to them... To many people, maybe to us at sometimes, the commandments of God are a bother. They're grievous. They're a burden. They're unpleasant. And these individuals have no desire to glorify Jesus in this life. None. It's all about them. No desire to take the yoke of Christ and learn of him. No desire to suffer for righteousness sake. No desire to know Christ and the fellowship of his suffering. They just want all the good stuff. But I don't want all that. But you don't have it that way. We take Christ. We take Christ. And we have him. Jesus said, and why call you me Lord, Lord? This scripture has always stuck out to me. He said to the people, take it, Lord, Lord, this and Lord, Lord, that. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? Why do you call me Lord? It comes out of your mouth so easily. Lord, Lord, what about this? And Lord, what about that? And Lord... Uh, he, my son and Lord, wh whatever, just rolls off the lips. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't obey me when I tell you to do something? When God's word instructs us to do something, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? I would, I would label this type of belief. It is in churches. Again, it's not, they're wonderful churches. They're wonderful pastors. They're wonderful Christians all over this planet and in this country, okay? But a lot of what you see in Christianity, it's called Christianity, I don't believe it's actually Christianity, is a light version, it's Christianity light, 
okay? Christianity light. It's been peddled and promoted and preached and proclaimed to men in our day. It's not new, but it's very popular in our day. It's actually not Christianity. As I said, it's another gospel, and that's another Jesus that's preached. It will come like a genie and give you three wishes or 300 wishes, and you rub the bottle. He pops out, doesn't tell you anything to do, just says, what do you want me to do? And we ask him, and he does it for us, and he goes back in his bottle and stays away. I think that's the way a lot of people want that kind of Jesus. Well, that kind of Jesus is not found in the Bible. Come to Jesus and be saved. Come to Jesus and have him remove all the bad things from your life. Painful things and so forth. And bless you with all the good things that you want. Success and friends and money and comfort. Let him bless you with all those things. He's actually, you're actually doing him a favor by coming to him. Because he's just this poor, weak, pathetic Jesus sitting over in the corner waiting for somebody to come to him. He is not. He came to seek and save the lost. He's out looking for people and will come or we won't come. But he's drawing men by his spirit. Don't ever forget the rich young ruler that came to Jesus saying, Lord, what must I do to have eternal life? You know, what, what, and Jesus said, what do the commandments say? You know, he says, well, I've kept the commandments. And maybe he had. Maybe he kept most of those. I'm, obviously, he didn't keep all. He was a sinner. And he says, what do I lack I know I'm still lacking something. He knew in his conscience, in his heart, he still lacked something. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. You'll have treasures in heaven. And the man said, went away sad. And Jesus, the Bible says he loved him. Jesus loved that man. But he's going to either, that man is either going to be saved the same way you and I are, by faith in Jesus, and take him and the life that he gives us or not. He didn't run after him. I always think about it. He didn't run because he loved him. You think, well, maybe he, you, you know, let me give you a, a lighter version. Sell half of what you have and come follow me. How about that? Can we make some kind of deal? Because I really need some followers. He went from 70 to 12 at one point, and one of them betrayed him, okay? And that's after three and a half years of ministry. Can you imagine? The Lord, the God Almighty in the flesh, walking in the earth, doing miracles like nobody ever did. And when he went to the cross, he had 11 disciples and the, the few women, and that was it. And after the uh, resurrection on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 that nobody even took notice of in the upper room waiting for the promise. What's the point? The point is he didn't give a Christianity light. You, you think that for our day, that's a little extreme? Um, so let me, let's back it down a little bit. He doesn't do that. We take him or we don't take him. We take him as Savior and we take him as Lord. Some people actually feel like they're doing the Lord a favor by coming to him. He loves us. He loves us more than, than we can imagine. So we're not doing him a favor. They'll say, all, after all, all Jesus wants is for you to be happy. Have you heard that before? That's all he wants. He just wants you to be happy. That's not what he's doing. He gives joy, unspeakable and full of glory. But it comes in knowing Christ and being filled with his spirit and bearing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. Does he want us to be happy? Yes. Is that the absolute main thing? No. He came to be glorified in our lives. Amen. He wants us to have joy, but he says in, you're going to have that joy in him. 
in the world we're going to be hated, but we're going to have joy and peace in the Lord. Come to the Lord. He just wants you to be happy. He requires nothing of you. He'll stay out of the way until you need something from him. He doesn't want to change your life dramatically or put any demands on you. I don't know if people would say those exact words, but that's almost what in some circles seems to be the thought. And people are like shopping for Jesus like they shop for a car or something. Is this going to fill all my needs? You know, uh, and that's not how we come under the... A man is saved when they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and they hear the gospel preached at some point, maybe it comes back to their recollection and they come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and, and they know that they need a Savior and they're doomed and done apart from Christ. And they come to Christ and they say, save me, Lord, save me. I'm a wretched sinner, save me. And he saves that wretched sinner and washes us and robes us in the righteousness of Christ. And then he says, take up, your yoke, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. That's after salvation. Then we start walking with the Lord. I'm not working to be saved. I'm already saved. This is how a saved person lives. He walks with Jesus. He walks with Jesus. And when we stumble and fall in sin, we ask his forgiveness. And we mean it. We go back to the Lord. And we ask to be strengthened in that area so we don't fall in the same sin again. And he picks us up and he's patient with us a million times over. Picks us up, cleanses us off again. We're still his child, and we keep walking with the Lord. But that's a, that Christianity light is false. It's a perverted message. It's filled with half-truths, because you could say, well, doesn't Jesus want us to be happy? Yes. Doesn't he want to remove bad things from your life? Yes. Yes and no. You know what I mean? If it's a thorn in your flesh that he's using to make you more like Jesus, then no. He doesn't want to remove it. You understand what I'm saying? And so it, it's filled with half-truths, but what the, the negative or the, the falsity of this whole thought is it, it totally omits the lordship of Christ, is my point this morning. That type of Christianity light totally omits Christ as being Lord of the individual's life. Where Jesus says, count the cost. Before you come, count the cost. Because we're going. You coming with me? Count the cost before you come. Because once you come, we're going. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be hard and it's going to be easy. It's going to be wonderful. But count the cost before you come. Because there's a cost to discipleship. Salvation is free. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, didn't he? It's not my life, he says. It's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I'm not even living anymore. Really, by, he's living by faith in Jesus, and the only life worth living and being lived out through Paul's life is Jesus' life in him. I want to read this, and we're, we'll bring this to a, a close, but he that loveth father or mother, Jesus said this. You want to really read a good chapter on just discipleship and counting the cost and how you're going to be received out in the world and so forth? Go to Matthew 10 and read it sometime. Because he talks, the first time he sent his disciples out, he hadn't gone to the cross or anything yet. He sent them out. I don't even know how long the, the journey was. He sent them out, and then they, they came back. Two by two, he sent them out. He, he says, when he was, before he sent them out, he that loveth father or mo mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. 
And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. And so this Christianity light is not biblical. You can't back it up. You have to cherry pick a few scriptures here and there and use half the scripture and take it out of context and, and then say, don't read your Bibles. I'll have it here for you. And you make your own doctrine and present it to people. And people are attracted to that. A lot of people are attracted to that. It's all the positive. Don't talk about the blood and the sin and the cross and repentance and things like that and discipline. Don't talk about things like that and obedience. Goodness, don't, don't ever talk about that. It's not biblical. It's not backed up by Scripture. And besides not being backed up by Scripture, it is not the relationship that God desires with you or with that man. It's not the relationship. Him and a genie in the bottle. Let me know if you need something. I'll be here and stay out of your way until then. That's not the relationship he desires that Almighty God desires with men. Nor is it the, the relationship that he made possible through faith in Jesus Christ. That is not the relationship that he made possible through faith in the Lord. He doesn't save a man so that man can then be a self-centered brat. And a worldling and selfish free from all difficulties and adversities of life. Instead, he makes us his sons and daughters. He makes us salt and light. He makes us overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're to endure hardness as a good soldier. That's what the Bible says. He chastens those who he loves. He makes us more like Jesus by his chastening. We're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And y'all, there is a, the Bible says if we suffer, we shall reign with him. There is a, a joy and a intimacy with Christ that can be known no other way. Not, not by taking him as a genie in a bottle to, to help you through life with every difficulty, but taking him as Savior and Lord, bearing reproach for his name's sake. You know, when the, the, Peter and John were beaten and threatened two times, um, threatened not to, to speak in the name of Jesus anymore, the second time they were taken again, and this time they were threatened and beat, and they returned back to their company of believers, a small handful of the church, uh, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for his name's sake. And so there is a, there's a communion and a joy and a fellowship with the Lord when you take him as Lord. When you take him as Lord and walk with him. I don't know if today I'm going to be persecuted or a year from now or somebody's going to spit on my face or take away our right to have a church here and then going to prison for preaching the things I'm preaching or you go to, you know, well, I don't know when that's going to happen or if that's going to happen. But the point is we just walk with the Lord and it's joyful to walk with the Lord. And if I find myself in the will of God like Paul and Silas in prison in Philippi, they were praising God and worshiping the Lord at midnight. They had already been beat. Nobody tended to their sores. They got open wounds on their back. They're changing stocks. And they're praising God at midnight in the prison. That's not Christianity light. That's Christianity, period. That's just Christianity. And we take him as Savior and Lord. Or we don't take him. Amen? We don't take him. And so I, it is not my desire this morning. I know it's a kind of a sobering 
message. I pray it's not depressing or discouraging to you. It's not intended to be. It's not my intention nor desire to make serving Christ as Lord harder than it is, nor to make it easier than it is, but just to preach it as it is from the Bible. Paul said in Romans 15, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. I'm not shunned. He told him in Acts to declare the whole counsel of God to you. To you. He told him all of it. So I'm going to bring this to a close this morning. Christ is the head of his church. Christ is the coming king. He's, when he comes, he's going to reign and rule sovereignly okay, over the earth. Those that know the Lord, we're going to get to reign with him. Amen? I'm going to read this scripture. It says that set the Lord far above, in Ephesians 2, above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. He's Lord. That's the only point I want to make from that scripture. He's Lord. And so why would we not? If he's Lord of the church and he's Lord of all creation, he's going to reign as King of kings and Lord of lords and all that's yes, yes, yes. The Bible says all of that. We believe that. Why would I not allow Jesus to be Lord of my life right now? Talking to Christians, I'm talking to believers, talking about why would we hold back some area of our life and say, Lord, you can reign over everything, but this is off limits. This, I won't let you reign. I won't let you reign over my mouth to send me to share the gospel with somebody else. That's not me. It's not my personality. It's not how I am. Well, is he Lord or is he not Lord? He can speak through a donkey. He spoke through Moses who stuttered to be his shepherd of his people. He's proved himself, y'all, faithful. Why would we not allow him to be Lord of our lives? Why would we not allow Jesus to have his perfect way and perfect will and reign fully over our lives? Do, you, do we have any good reason? Do I have any good reason? Well, I say, well, here's why. Here's why he shouldn't reign over this area of my life. We don't have that reason. We don't have a good reason. They're just excuses or fears that the devil puts into us or things where we love our sin more than we love God in certain areas. But I'm just going to mention about our Lord real quickly. He's a good God. He's a faithful friend. He's the lover of our souls. He proved his love or commended his love towards us while we were yet sinners, says in Romans 5. He is the good shepherd. He is the forgiver of our sins. He is the faithful and high priest. He is our advocate at the right hand of God in heaven right now, at the right hand of the Father. He's promised to never leave us nor forsake us uh, as his children. God the Father has made Christ unto us wisdom and redemption and righteousness and sanctification. He's our healer. He's our Lord. And he, he has invited us to walk with him and to call him, he, him to call us his friends. Henceforth, I don't call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I'm telling you all things that I'm doing. I'm calling you my friends. We are servants of the Lord. You understand. But the fact that God Almighty would call us his friends. He's made us partakers of his divine nature. He forgives our sins when we confess to him and come to him. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He made, it, made us join heirs with himself. If you had everything like God has everything, would you 
go to somebody like you or me and say, I'm going to make you joint heirs with me in this. Might give us a little something, but to make us joint heirs, that's what the Bible says. Don't fear to let him rule over your life. Don't hesitate to surrender all into his hands. Don't hold back anything from his lordship. Give him your heart. Give him your life. Give him your goals. Give him your children. Give him your spouse. Give him your possessions. Give him your reputation. Give him your body. And let him reign. That's where the joy and the peace comes from. And the little things that agitate and aggravate and steal our peace and steal our joy. You know where that comes from? Where I'm resisting the Lord. I'm fighting against God. And he's saying, let go of it. And I say, no, God. And I'm wondering why I'm uptight and miserable and things, I don't have any peace. I'm born again, but I'm fighting with God over something. Friends, whatever it may be, he wants us to surrender all to him. Don't fear to do that. D, you can come this morning. I'm going to read one more scripture. Y'all, the altars are open. Be careful of these palm branches when you come up, up here, but the altars are open. In Revelation 17, it speaks about uh, Antichrist and those that are going to fight against the Lamb. And it says, And the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is Lord of lords. He's just above everything. He's over everything, Okay. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And listen, and they that are with him. Is that us? Are we with the Lord as his children? Yes. He never leave us nor forsake us. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. We get to be part of all of this. Let him be your Lord. Surrender. If he's showing you something, if you've never surrendered fully to him as Lord, do so. If there's something he's putting your, his finger on in your life that's not surrender to God, then come and surrender it to Christ. He's not come to like make your life miserable. He's come that you might have joy and your joy might be full. Take him as Savior if you haven't. And if believer and brother in Christ, sister in Christ, take him as Lord of every area of your life. Father, we 